Deuteronomy chapter 8, as well as the book of Exodus. What I'm going to do today is just follow on from where we dealt, we dealt with last week. Last week we dealt with the idea that Israel didn't know their own God. They had become very ignorant of who he was. And through the story of the Exodus, in the first 15 chapters of the book of Exodus, God is making himself known to his people. I am the Lord, he would say on a few occasions. And he would say the express purpose of those, that Exodus story in the first 15 chapters was not to defeat the power to defeat Egypt as much as it is to make himself known who he is. Because we shared last week, there is no contest between the Lord God of Israel and Pharaoh. There is no contest there. God said, if I wanted to have this finished, I could have done it all in one swipe. Um, There is no contest between God and trying to prove his superiority. The reason that it takes the form that it does is very simple is because God is making himself known. And how he is known in the first 15 chapters is that he is your redeemer, he is your deliverer, and he is both willing and he is able. Amen. He's willing and he is able. He is your redeemer and he is your deliverer. And he makes himself known to the nation of Israel in their captivity and brings them out of Egypt. But the end of the story doesn't stop there with our redemption and our deliverance. Thank God for revealing himself to us in his ability, his compassion, and his care. But now what God wants to do is use us to make him known to the rest of the world. doesn't stop with our deliverance. To make him known through us to the rest of the world. After the magnificent story of the Exodus in the first 15 chapters of Exodus, then in Exodus chapters 19, especially verse chapter 20, God is going to give his law to his people on Mount Sinai. But in between the massive miracles of the Exodus and the giving of the law is this exciting piece of scripture called the wilderness. You didn't even smile. (laughs) It's called the wilderness. Now these chapters are very important because it's obvious that nobody is thrilled at the concept of A wilderness experience. But it is absolutely, completely necessary for our spiritual development. Before God gave the law, He took them through the wilderness. And this bit about the wilderness in the book of Exodus builds on the past revelation. What does it mean when God says, I am the Lord? It's going to build on that. And most importantly, it's going to prepare people to receive the law, to receive the word of God. Let me repeat myself. We are not just to be the object of God's blessing. We are to be the vehicle 
by which God blesses the rest of the world. Are we understanding? Not just the object of God's blessing, but the vehicle to be His blessing to the rest of the world. In Exodus chapter 6, Deuteronomy 8, I even didn't even read it. Verse 2 is what I was after. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. It says, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these forty years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. There's a purpose for the experience. It's to reveal the condition of the heart and to test out the willingness to submit to His Word. That's the purpose of it, but I will come back to that. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, I am the Lord, he says. But in these verses, he says, I say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, rid you out of their bondage, will redeem you with a stretched out arm with great judgments. But I like chapter 6 and verse 7. I will take you to me for a people. That is so important. The goal is not just to set people free. The goal is the creation of a people for God's own pleasure. I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage I am the Lord. See, God had established his identity in the Exodus story as I am the Lord. Now, the purpose of the Lord who has revealed himself is to create a people for his own pleasure, and he is going to take them into the land. And if you go to chapter 19 of Exodus, just before he gives the law, he says this, just prior to giving the law. Chapter 19, verse 4, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and I brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. And there we have the purpose of God established. He brings you out of the burdens of Egypt. He makes you a people to himself. But then he goes on to say, but it's not just about you. All the earth is mine. I brought you to myself so that you would become a kingdom of priests for the sake of the rest of the world. Are we following that? You're my people I made yourself known for the sake of the rest of the world. It's not all about our redemption. It's about God making himself known throughout the world. This is the burden of the book of Exodus. And then he goes on in chapter 20 to give what you call the law or the Ten Commandments. Let me say this in advance. The reason God gives His Word, gives His law, is to train us in the nature and train us in the character of God. When you see His miracles, it doesn't mean you get trained in His nature or His character. 
The purpose of giving the law is to train us in his nature and train us in his character. When you live by his word and you live by his ways, you become like him and then you become the model of him to an unbelieving world. With God, what you are is far more important than what you do. With God, what you are is far more important than what you do. To be his witnesses to the rest of the world, our character must not contradict what we do. And God has no problem, and everyone knows this by experience, God has no problem taking a really long time to deal with your character before he releases you too much in your gifting. That is exciting stuff. He has no problem taking a really long time dealing with character so that you don't contradict your ministry and your own gift. The book of Exodus, after the story of getting out of Egypt, has got a small chapters, 15, 16, 17, 18 in there, a few stories about why God has to take us into the wilderness before he gives us the law. Twofold reasons, two reasons why he does this. The first reason, as we're going to see, is that God did not set you free for you to become independent. That's exciting stuff. God did not set you free so that we now become independent. As a matter of fact, God set us free from slavery so that we can become obedient to Him. You're not free to do your own thing. You're delivered from that bondage that you might learn obedience to Him. And your welfare and your future is completely dependent upon obedience. We will discover that in the wilderness. The second reason for the experience of the wilderness is that these tests serve to reveal the condition of our hearts. Bring things to the surface so that we would know ourselves, so that we would understand our need of instruction. You can smile. These things are permitted by God to bring deep things of the heart to the surface so that we would know ourselves and understand our need of teaching and instruction. What is in the heart? In the heart of Israel, what we're going to see was there independence in their heart? Was there jealousy in their heart? Was there pride in their heart? Impatience. God just doesn't work fast enough. Anger. Stubbornness. What is in the heart? What that God does is He puts things there into our life to bring these things out of the depths of our heart, bring them to the surface, so that we would understand we need His law to fashion us and to change us. So the wilderness is preparation to receive His word. Amen. I know this is exciting, I know 
chapter 15 of the book of Exodus. There's a variety of stories here. This is the shortest one, so I'm going to choose it. Chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. Now this is right after the crossing of the Red Sea. You should have been there that Sunday service when they crossed the Red Sea. You should have been there when the waters parted. And when you saw the several million people walk through. Can you just imagine this? Walking in the middle of the Red Sea. And you got this big wall of water on that side. And you got this big wall of water on that side. And you have a path to the other side. And the Egyptians are behind you. And you stop and you look and you say, what is holding that up there? And a voice comes behind you and says, I don't know, but please hurry up. <laughs> you know? Can you just imagine you're in that miracle? And can you imagine the entire nation gets across on dry ground? You should have been there that Sunday service. When the sick were healed and the dead were raised and the blind saw and the deaf heard and the lepers were cleansed. You should have been there in that miraculous display of the power of God. They were dancing, dancing, dancing in the miracle power of God. When they crossed the Red Sea, they saw the Red Sea close in upon the Egyptians. Their enemies were drowned and they had a hallelujah service. They grabbed their tambourines and they danced on the other side and they said, The Lord is on our side. The Lord is a man of war. You should have been there for that Sunday service. What revival. But it's amazing what happens between the Sunday service and the Wednesday prayer meeting. Only three days later. How many days? I mean, what happened last Sunday? The power, the miracles, the dead were raised, the Red Sea parted, and now it's time for midweek meeting on Wednesday. So let's go to chapter 15 and verse 22. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness. And they were there for the Wednesday night prayer meeting. I mean, they were there three days. Three days since the parting of the Red Sea. And they found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people, let's see what this word here, M-U-R-M-U-R-E-D. What does that spell? Complain. <laughs> Complain. What verse of the Bible have you got? So the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? It's amazing. They were dancing on Sunday and complaining by Wednesday. Aren't you glad you don't belong to that generation? <laughs> you know? And they murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. That word showed in the Hebrew is from a, a root word that means, I'm about to teach you, I'm about to instruct you, I'm about to give you some counsel. He showed them a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he tested them. Three days after the Red Sea, he tested them. And then he said this, if, I wonder what the word if means, small word but powerful, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, 
and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all the statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I just brought upon the Egyptians. They're just the whole ten plagues is in their memory. So I won't do that to you if you're obedient. For I am the Lord. There's that phrase again. I am the Lord. I am the Lord that heals you. Verse 27 says, And they came to Elam, and were there twelve wells of water, and for seventy palm trees. And they camped there by the waters, in chapter 16, and they took their journey from Elam. Israel's welfare depends on her obedience to the Lord. That's what verse 26 says. You're not set free to be independent. You're set free to learn obedience. Her welfare is dependent upon her obedience to the Lord because he says, I am the Lord. The verse 25 where it says the Lord showed him a tree, that means I'm about to give you some instruction, I'm about to teach you. In other words, I am going to use this experience to train you. I'm going to use this experience to fashion you in an obedient lifestyle. In the first 15 chapters, God had already showed himself as the Lord, willing and able with miracle power to set his people free. What he wants to do in the wilderness experiences of life is this. He wants to establish trust in you so that you can be obedient. God's care for you is not confined to your deliverance from Egypt. God's care for you is going to be manifest in the wilderness as well. Amen. Trust leads to obedience. Now here's the key. One of the real keys of the book of Exodus is this. Failure to trust always results in disobedience. Write that one down if you're taking notes. Failure to trust always leads to disobedience. And what God is going to do is through these difficult times is going to give you opportunity to establish trust because you know who He is. That's the purpose of these difficult experiences. Establish trust. Because if you don't trust, you go into disobedience. That's the way it works. Verse 26 of this chapter uh, you know, obviously shows that the Lord's provision is conditional. If you obey, if you follow my statutes and my judgments, then you won't be experiencing what you just saw Egypt experience. So with that, there's a, a, a sense of trust, but there's also a sense of fear of the consequences of disobedience. It's a fearful thing to suffer the consequences of disobedience. If Israel passes the test, then the Lord's faithfulness to maintain her well-being will continue throughout the whole story. If Israel fails the test, such as the murmurings and complainings that they did, then what will happen is will come the Lord is going to give explicit instruction and his expectations of what he wants in his people and the consequences of non-compliance. And that's what happens all the way through 
these wilderness stories. If we pass the test, we see God's faithfulness just increase and increase and increase. If we don't pass the test, he will speak very directly of what his expectations are for his people on the issue of obedience. And that's what we've got in this very first story. Well, they only had three days between the Red Sea to the fact that they revealed no matter what miracles they saw, their hearts had not changed. Revival didn't happen to change their hearts. And that was revealed within three days. In chapter 16, this is approximately six weeks later, not very long. Six weeks later, they had this little spell at a place called Elam, where there were the 70 palm trees that was nice. But Elam's not the promised land, and they had to leave Elam and move forward in towards the, the promised land. And within six weeks of the Red Sea, they're faced with another test. And that's in chapter 16, verses 1 to 36. And it's, you know the story well. It's about manna. Now, God says specifically, I want you to note verses 4 and 5 out of chapter 16. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove, test them. I want to see if they will be obedient to my word, yes or no. I'm giving you this test to see if there is obedience to my word. Um, very simply, God announces this is a test. Now the test is this. Will you cave into fear or will you garner trust when there appears to be no provision? Will you cave into fear and if you do, fear will take you into disobedience? Or will you trust and trust will lead you in the way of obedience? I want you to know that this is God setting it up. This is God orchestrating the whole thing. Are, is Israel prepared to receive a new existence under new terms, under changed conditions? Because they had ex- they're going to go into a life they know nothing about. All they know is slavery, and now there's going to be new conditions, new terms of living, and are you prepared to live in your new existence? Or once you are set free, do you think it's licensed to do whatever you want to do? Are you prepared for life under new conditions? That's what's being tested here in Exodus chapter 16. This test is helping people to prepare for the law that is still going to come in chapter 20. Because they're going to be reminded of who the Lord is and that he acts with the same authority the God who brought them out of Egypt is the same God who will sustain them in the wilderness God's purpose is to take them to the promised land he is the Lord but how does God test them now what's interesting he tests them by addressing the fear of lack have you ever been worried if there's going to be enough Have you ever been worried that there's going to be enough? How many would like the Lord to answer your prayer and just give you a million dollars or a million pounds and you never have to worry again? Anybody? Would like to see that kind of an answer? Or have you discovered the Lord gives you your daily bread 
and then tomorrow you have another need. But we would rather God just give it all at once, wouldn't we? That's going to take care of me for the next 50 years. It doesn't work that way. It's a daily issue. Because if we don't become dependent upon God daily if he did that. And that is the whole point here. He addresses their fear of the lack of provision. God provided for them one day at a time, except on the sixth day where he gave double, and on the seventh day, the Sabbath, he gave nothing. In other words, God wants you to learn this lesson every day. It forces us to daily reliance upon God. It forces us to surrender daily to His instructions for our security. Our security is found in obedience to His Word. Now why does God give that lesson and why does He want you to learn it every day? If we fast forward in our thinking to Exodus 32, 33, 34, the story of the golden calf, we could learn this about what what drives idolatry. Idolatry is driven by fear that comes through lack of trust. Let me say that again. Idolatry is driven by fear that comes through lack of trust. In Exodus 32, they feared that Moses was dead. Where is this guy? He's not coming down from the mountain. In the presumption that Moses was dead, they needed an idol to trust. And so out comes the golden calf. A stable trust in the Lord would have prevented their fall into idolatry. So what God wants to do is painstakingly teach us on a daily basis the necessity of trust. That's what he's after. The daily necessity of trust. If we're going to receive his law, if we're going to hear his word, a deep level of trust has to be instilled on us, which means he forces us to learn the lesson daily. How many discover lessons don't stick with us unless they're repeated many times? He forces us to learn it daily. So obedience must be developed deeply in us. If we're going to be the people of God to be his witness obedience has to be developed very very deeply in us. Now why this particular lesson? What's interesting here in this story is God did not provide bread on the Sabbath day. On the sixth day he provided twice as much. On the seventh day there was no provision. You follow that? Which means this, I, the Lord, decided to take off the Sabbath and I'm not working. And then later, when the law came, the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, of all the Ten Commandments, the one concerning the Sabbath, was God says, I myself have observed the Sabbath from the beginning of history. I myself have done it. The other nine commandments, God doesn't say, well, I don't kill and I don't steal and I don't covet and I don't do adultery. He doesn't mention himself in those nine. But when it comes to the Sabbath, he says, I have observed the Sabbath since the beginning of history. And I want you to observe the Sabbath as well. Now, I'm not going to have a discussion here of what it means to observe the Sabbath, except to say this, 
The purpose of the law is to, so that you would imitate the nature of God. Living by the law, receiving His word, is teaching us to imitate who God is. The purpose of receiving the law is to learn His character and learn His nature and live by the same way that God Himself lives. Because what God wants to do is this. He wants to say to the world, what do I look like? Look at my people. That's His goal. What am I like? What do I look like? What's my character? Look at my people and you will know. Now how close to the truth are we on that one? And how do we become like God? By absorbing His Word. By absorbing His laws. By giving them preeminence in our heart, preeminence in our life. Because that is what is going to make us like God. As we live His Word, we adorn His Word. It's written on the tables of a heart. It's the warp and woof of our being. It's in the springs of our heart. That Word has entered deeply into us. But God has got to bring us to the point where we listen to the Word, we hear the Word, and we submit to the Word. Hence the purpose of the wilderness. To show you what's in your heart so that we understand our need to absorb the Word. Israel could keep the Sabbath and not worry about provision. You can keep the Sabbath. You can take your rest. It's not all about your ability. It's about God's maintaining us. Our security is in obedience, not in our efforts. Important lesson there, but a hard lesson to learn. Psalm, uh, sorry, the third story is Exodus 17. I won't spend much time there. It's getting water out of a rock. They were tested again. Except in this third story in Exodus 17, it's not the Lord testing Israel. It's Israel testing the Lord. How can you test the Lord? Did you bring me out here to die of thirst? And it's amazing what was in their heart came forward. And the story doesn't go well because even Moses gets a little bit upset at the whole thing and he hits a rock and he doesn't do so well because he hits the rock. It's, it's a difficult thing. But Psalm 95 actually reflects on Exodus chapter 17. And according to Psalm 95, God is testing what is in the person's heart. And unfortunately, the people that crossed the Red Sea came out with hard hearts, just like Pharaoh's heart was hard. And they tested the Lord. This, the fourth story is in Exodus 17, verses 8 to 16, where they're at war with Amalek. And you know the story when Moses is on the top of the mount, as long as he can hold his hands up, you remember, and he's got the staff in his hand, then Joshua would be winning the battle in the valley below. But when he got really tired and had to lower that, that staff that was in his hand, then the enemy seemed to have the upper hand. So Aaron and another fellow by the name of Hur came and held up his hands as long as the hands of Moses holding that rod were held up. The power of God was being revealed. Now what's interesting by the time you get to that story is Israel is learning this. In the Exodus, they didn't fight. They didn't lift a finger for their own deliverance. But once you get out of Exodus, 
You have to participate in the power of God. God can do it without you, but He's going to express Himself through you. And there's an important lesson there. He doesn't need us, but He has chosen to express Himself through us. And even though the story of the Exodus was all power without Israel helping, now you've got to conquer the promised land yourself in the power of the Lord. What lesson are we getting here? That God is going to express Himself through you. And so the goal of God is to gain your heart. The goal of God is to gain your trust. The goal of God is to train us in obedience because He's going to express Himself through us. And then when you get to chapter 18 of the book of Exodus, you've got a man by the name of Jethro, who happens to be the father-in-law of Moses. There's no immediate crisis going on here, but Jethro himself comes from a heathen background. And in chapter 18, and verse 11, this is a good chapter, listen to what Jethro the heathen man has to say. He says in 18.11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. What a confession. Because the goal of God is that he would be known amongst the heathen. And here you've got a heathen talking about the power of the God of Israel as the greatest God ever existed. See, back in chapter 5, Pharaoh asked the question, And who is the Lord? Now in chapter 18 and verse 11, Jethro has got the answer for him. The Lord is greater than all gods. And a thing they have dealt proudly, he was above them. What an amazing thing. The goal of God is to make himself known. And here's a heathen who knows God. Powerful, powerful story. Moses in chapter 18 was busy teaching them about the ways of the Lord. This is anticipating chapter 20 when God wants to give you his law. Now I know that in tradition, traditional circles... And this was even alluded to in the testimony this morning from the girls. Is that the world out there has a misconception of what church is, of what God is like. Because we have twisted the law into a vicious tradition that condemns people. What a misreading of scripture. No No, a thousand times no. The psalmist said, how I love your law. It's my meditation day and night. And the law is a revelation of the goodness of God, the compassion of God, and the mercy of God. And how on earth did that ever get changed to a demonical, critical, judgmental thing? No, the law is revelation of the mercy of God. That's to come in the future, that lesson. But it's revelation of the mercy of God. And by absorbing the law, God's going to turn us into merciful, loving people. And that's the whole thing. But your heart has to be prepared to receive it. It has to be prepared to receive it. So the purpose of this wilderness is to train us in obedience. The purpose of the the, the wilderness testings is to reveal the condition of our hearts 
so that we would learn that we need to conform to God's character. The purpose of these testings is to prepare our hearts to receive the law so that we can take on God's character and God's nature. As the law penetrates our heart, they reflect God's nature and they will give witness to the world as to who God is, what he is like, and what his nature is. It's like God is saying, if you want to know what I am like, look at my people. That's what he's called us to be. If you want to know what I'm like, look at my people. That's the witness that the world needs to see. I'm convinced in the book of Acts, as I read the book of Acts, that the way the greatest evangelism is done is through signs and wonders, the miracles, the demonstration of the power of God, the casting out of demons, the healing of the sick, the divine supernatural intervention But that's not the whole story. The other part of the book of Acts is this, is when the outsiders saw the fervent love between members of the body of Christ, that's when the New Testament says, and people were added to the church. In other words, the power, the demonstration of power, proves the ability of God. But when the outsider witnesses a community of people who are sacrificial, fervently loving each other to the point of excess of selling their farms to provide the needs of other people. When they saw the character of God reproduced in a loving community, then that gave credibility to the message that the apostles preached. And that's what we have in the book of Acts. That's how outreach was done in the book of Acts. We have to provide the witness. And the witness is fervent love, which the law will teach us if we allow God to change our hearts. Now, what are some of the kinds of tests that we read about? We read some in Exodus, we see, read some in the book of Numbers. Let me just, without comment much on these, just show you the various things that God did in the wilderness to get at people's hearts. In chapter 14 of Exodus, when they came out of the Egypt, where was the first place that God put them? He put them with their backs to the Red Sea. Mountains on the right side, mountains on the left side, Red Sea behind you, no escape. And then here comes Pharaoh, down breathing down upon you. What does that reveal about our heart? What came out? Moses, did you bring us out of here just to kill us here in the desert? You know, their their response. We already looked at Exodus 15, the waters of Merah. Let me say this. Have you ever gone through a bitter experience in life? Have you ever gone through a bitter experience in life? Did you realize that in that bitter experience, God was testing What was in your heart? How did you respond? We looked at Exodus 16, the lack of provision. How many times have we faced lack of provision? Economic trials. Do we trust or do we fall into disobedience to provide our own needs? Economic trial. Exodus 17, when they brought water out of a rock. How about try this one on a first size? Have you ever been fed up 
with dry and boring experiences. Ever gone through a phase where a church is just not exciting? And when it's not exciting, you can easily skip it and miss it. Would you believe that dry and boring experiences is one way in which God's going to test what's in the heart? Interesting. Here's another one, Exodus 32. Moses wasn't coming down from the mountain. You can't wait for God's timing. God's just not fast enough for you. And we wait, 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 and then we say, forget it, and I'm taken into my own hands. And out comes a golden calf. Nothing like patience to see what's in the heart, isn't there? Wait, can't wait for God's timing. Another one in Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 to 34. Complaining about the Lord's provision. I'm tired of this manna. I'm tired of this place. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. And yet it's the Lord's provision. And there was complaining. Here, another one in chapter 12 of Numbers, verses 1 to 15. Jealousy. Who does Moses think he is anyway? And his own brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, became critical of the leadership of Moses. Don't you know I can preach as well as he can? Interesting. Jealousy. Critical of leadership. Then you got Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 to chapter 14, verse 11. When they go into the promised land and look ahead and they see the challenges, they see the giants that are there, they realize that it's a beautiful land, but it's full of challenges. And the ten came back with a negative report. How we're responding to the challenges that always lie in front of us reveals what's in the heart. In Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 to 50, there's a guy by the name of Korah. And that as he was out there in the wilderness for a while, it became apparent that he had no gratitude for what the Lord had done for his life. And Moses would have to say, is it a small thing to you that God has delivered you out of Egypt and, and you get to be a Levite and now you want to be a priest as well? Is that no small, you think that's just a small thing? Are you treating the grace of God as a small thing? And he wants to challenge Moses over leadership and uh, so jealousy uh, to bring about a division. Here's another one in Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 to 13. Another story of water coming out of a rock. And how do we explain this one? How about expectations that have not been met? You figure it would all unfold this way. And expectations have not been met. God is revealing the intents of the heart in certain things. 
In Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9, there's another one yet. I mean, the, the, the old wilderness thing is full of this stuff. And they basically in that, Numbers 21, it's just discouragement. I know this is the Lord, and I know God has done this, and I know this, but I'm, and, but I'm just discouraged over the ways, how this is planning out and working. And again, the criticalness come out of their mouth and out of their hearts in these types of things. And unfortunately, there were some fiery serpents to respond to that kind of thing. And you see, all the way through, the, from the time they got out of Egypt to the time they went into the Promised Land, they were challenged with, with bitter experiences, economic trials, drying and boring experiences. You can't wait for God's timing. Uh, we know the Lord has provided, but we complain about it. And on and on and on and on it goes. And the revelation of what's in the depths of a person's heart. The purpose of this is to train us that we really need God to change our hearts. It makes us to be open to his law, to his word, so that we know we need to receive it. And we take his word on board and receive his word. Why? Because when you receive his word, when you become teachable, you take on his nature, you take on his character, and then God can use us to express himself to the world. And so this whole message about what happens there in the wilderness is a bit of a hard message, a tough message. Nobody likes to hear it. But it's absolutely necessary to work through these things if we want to become who God wants us to be. And his explanation, and and this is where I started, Deuteronomy 8. Uh, Let me go back there and read verses 2 and 3 and then we're done. Deuteronomy 8 says, You shall remember all the way, verse 2, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. To humble you, prove you, know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you, suffered you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you didn't know, neither did your fathers know. For what reason? Why do we go through this stuff? What's the goal? What is God after? It says in the last half of verse 3, He wants you to know that man does not live by bread only, but we have to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That's how we are to live. And so these difficult experiences are to open up our hearts to know that we need to be changed so that we do receive the law of the Lord so we begin to reflect His nature and His character to a lost and a dying world because God is going to testify to this world by giving them examples of transformed people who fervently love one another. That's the reason for the difficult experiences. Aren't you excited? Brokenness brings us forth into a beautiful ministry. Pride will nullify it. So the goal of God is to cause us to know that we must live by His Word, receive His law, so we could take on His character, take on His nature, so He can give a revelation of Himself to a lost and a dying world. And that's the theme of the book of Exodus.